Tuesday, September 29th here at Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the Week 4 Waiver Wire Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. Back with me is Adam Krautwurst. And Adam, not nearly as exciting, I guess. Not sure if exciting is the word for last week. It's not not nearly as contested a waiver wire this week as it was in Week 3, I think. Yeah, no, not not too uh, busy, which is which is a good thing because you know week two injuries were a, were a disaster. So yeah, it's nice to have kind of a slower waiver wire week, I think. Yeah, we had some more injuries that will that will drive some of the recommendations here. But this is a week where I wouldn't go crazy looking for something to pick up unless you really need something. It's an okay week to kind of take off of waivers if you're happy with your team. Don't I wouldn't go out of my way dropping DeAndre Swift, for example, to grab somebody that's available this week. Right, exactly. I mean, it's hard to be patient on some of these mm-hmm. rookie running backs, you know, um, DeAndre Swift and you know, J.K. Dobbins and all those guys. But, um, yeah, you definitely got to keep holding on to those and cross your fingers for an injury. Yeah, try to keep upside in mind with guys that have been disappointing you through a few weeks uh, and realize that and a lot of times they're going to have a higher ceiling than the guys on waiver wire. So let's yeah. go ahead to the guys that we are going to focus on this week. Brian Hill's first up at running back. What you got on him, Adam? Yeah, so he just looked uh, – he kind of passed the eye tests uh, this, this last week. He's looked more explosive than than Gurley for sure. You know, and kind of Gurley has an injury history, and people kind of bring that up. He doesn't miss a lot, a lot of games, but he just plays in games where he just doesn't look explosive. You know, so and I think that's then the recent case. Uh, Brian Hill looks more explosive. Um, you know, he had a he he had a nice touchdown run uh, on, on Sunday. So really in name i think Gurley is getting the carries more carries and more more usage but it could be the case where you know through the course of the year either you do Gurley does miss some games or they just let hill run um because the record's not looking too good and they just you know decided to just give hill, hill the ball so uh, i put a 10 percent down for him because anytime you can get again a handcuff back th- these days um a sh- get a shot at a starting role in an explosive offense um, he's worth, uh, I think he's worth a 10% bid. Yeah. And he'll score a touchdown this week, which is going to drive up his, um, it's going to have more people looking after him this week. Uh, but I agree that he's a guy to go ahead and try to stash or grab here. As long as you're not overpaying for him, it's worth noting that the Falcons only paid Todd Gurley $5 million. So it's not like they have to keep playing him to justify his contract. It's also worth noting that this Falcons coaching staff might not make it through the season the way that they're starting the year. We yeah, might have two guys in here trying to earn jobs beyond 2020. So there might be incentive to give the ball to the better performing running back if things keep going in this direction. Also, Todd Gurley has not been playing all that much on passing downs, and Brian Hill saw an uptick in his usage in that particular area this past week. So again, it's a handcuff. But there's also the chance that at some point the Falcons say, Todd Gurley's just not doing it. We need to get Brian Hill the ball more. Exactly. That's kind of the whole reason behind having him too is is that hopefully um, – because if he's a straight handcuff, he's obviously not not as valuable. But if he does have some standalone value or just being able to outplay Gurley, um, that would be the key. Anthony McFarlane, the only other running back we have on our list here, a low bid, but also somebody who saw some action this past week. Yeah, he looked really good. He's a favorite of uh, Lenny Papano, um, and he uh, he's been kind of touting him for a while. But you know, he he looked really explosive in, in the game. We haven't seen much of him. I don't think he was active week one. 
I think he maybe saw a couple snaps week two, but week three, they finally gave him a shot. Um, and he, again, he's another one who's an injury away from a significant role, you know, um, Connor, you know, Connor will still be the workhorse there, but he can certainly step ahead of Benny Snell. Um, he's certainly a better pass catching back probably than any of them. I mean, Connor's good at catching the ball, but as far as ex- explosiveness, McFarland might, might be the guy he might end up working himself into a third down role. Probably not likely the Steelers generally only use one back, but Connor is always dinged up, which is why we all wanted, you know, Benny Snell or Jalen Samuel during draft season, but it might be Anthony McFarland. So, um, I put 3% down for, for him. Cause I think you can get away with getting him for, for, for 3%. But if you really love him, um, I could see spending, spending more on him because he, again, he's a guy that if Connor goes down, um, he, he could certainly play a big uh, role, especially in the passing game. Yeah, no, I would try to keep it under control because I think if Connor went down, I think it would be a committee as opposed to a partic- one single Steelers back going forward. Benny Snell, we already saw, have the big week one. Obviously, they scaled him back the past two weeks um, following that. But I, Anthony McFarlane had a limited college career, two years with Maryland. I don't think he reached 130 carries in either of those seasons. So I, I do think that he would be the most exciting of the Steelers backs. I think he'd also be in a committee there. So he's a, a solid guy to stash if you lost like Tariq Cohen this week and you don't get Brian Hill and you don't have anybody else attractive on waivers. He's a good fallback option there with some upside. Exactly. Yeah, you're not going to go dropping someone with that's that's that you need for your roster. This is again, these are kind of like flyer guys, and um, you know we haven't even hit bye by weeks yet. So with all the injuries that we we've been having, then we you know we have the COVID scare this week with the with, with the Titans. You just never know when a guy like McFarland could pop into your flex spot and get you, you know, 15 points or something when you when you need it most. So, um, again, you're not dropping guys that you need or got your handcuffs to your own backs or something like that. But if you've got a if you've got a roster spot to to burn, um, McFarland's worth it, I think. Now, let's say you did draft six running backs and you lost one in one of the past two weeks. You don't necessarily need to fill that spot with a running back. Adam, who's the first wide receiver on your list this week that you might consider for that kind of spot? Yeah, so I like T. Higgins. I th- I think we touted him a bunch last week too. I think DraftKings did get, did a good job with that, and we talked about him on the, on the podcast. But he's still available after having a nice game uh, this this last week. So um, I think he's certainly worth a ten percent bid, maybe even more if you're looking for for receiver help. Um, you know, he's they've shown that they're going to throw the ball a lot. They're not going to baby the, the rookie quarterback. They're they're usually playing from from behind, and Burrow's shown the ability to to make good throws and make uh consistently good, good decisions. So, um, you know, he, he gets, he, he gets the targets. Um, he's had six and nine targets the last two, two weeks. That's a 14.3% uh, target share. So um, I like what you can get with him. Keep, keep him on the bench until, until you need him. If when green misses games, cause he will, you can slide Higgins right in there. And I think he'll do, he'll do really well. Yeah. And that's the thing to keep in mind. So Higgins is not, Big on targets so far. He's only had the two games of significant usage, as you mentioned, six and nine targets the past two weeks. Did lead the team in routes run in week three, though, and was only two routes behind Green. So he has clearly slid into the number three wide receiver role for that Cincinnati team that's going to throw the ball a lot. Um, 105 pass attempts over just the past two weeks for Joe Burrow. And there is some handcuff upside here, both for A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd, and especially with A.J. Green. That's interesting because A.J. Green's missed a lot of time. He's on the wrong side of 30. If you wait until this week for T. Higgins, you're definitely going to have to pay more 
than you would have the past couple of weeks because of the two touchdowns. Yep. Just make sure that you don't overpay for those two touchdowns. He is still the number three receiver in Cincinnati and really probably not somebody that you're going to start comfortably until one of those top two goes down or we hit the bye weeks. Yeah, a lot of these guys, like we try to recommend players, the whole key is recommending them before they either break out or before everyone else kind of has the same feeling we do. So um, Higgins was a, was a great example last week. And, um, you know, a lot of these guys, you're not probably going to be picking up in your standard 10 or 12 team home leagues, but they're, you know, when you're trying to win a half a million dollars and you're trying to get an edge on all these super, super smart players, you want to be able to, you want to pay attention and get these guys first cheap as possible because, you know, that, you know, if AJ Green goes down next week, T Higgins is going to go for, you know, people are going to want like spend their half their budget on him. So try to get him if you can this week, because uh, I have a feeling he's going to be gone everywhere by, uh, by Sunday. Absolutely. So if you are looking for a wide receiver this week and you're like, well, wait a second, should I go grab T Higgins or Alan Lazard? The reason we're not talking about Alan Lazard right now is because he's probably drafted or yep. picked up in pretty much all FFPC leagues. If Alan Lazard is out there, I would absolutely go get him before T Higgins. I would grab Brandon Ayuk. Certainly if you're a DS insider, check out the free agent focus. We've got the guys ranked there. We've got blind bid recommendations. So uh, regardless of what size league you're you're in, we've got your recommendations. We got the guys ranked there, but for a league where guys like that get drafted and already got picked up, certainly T Higgins can be an upside pickup this week. A reactionary one this week is Cordero Patterson in mm-hmm. Chicago. And I, I'm not sure if it's, I guess it would be better if he had running back eligibility, but he's only a wide receiver for FFPC I, for leagues where he is a running back. There's extra value to Patterson right now. Yeah, I really wish he had running back uh, eligibility on FFPC, but he's he's only a receiver there. Um, but with that injury to Tariq Cohen being done for the year, I mean, he was he was already seeing um, I think five carries a game with with him there, with Cohen there. So he could see seven to ten carries a game plus plus some some targets. Maybe he gets all of the Tariq Cohen targets too. So I think he's certainly worth a pickup again. Um, someone that maybe now is the time to, to to get him. I'm not super high on him. I'm not super high on that, that offense. But again, COVID's going to strike. Injuries are striking. You've got you got bye weeks, so it, he could be a, a guy that could fill in for um, for a flex spot. And he's the type of guy where if he does have a really good game this Sunday, he's going to go for much more than than what you can get him for now. So I put down a five percent bid on him. You could probably get him for a little a little bit less because there weren't uh, very many huge injuries this this last week where guys are looking to, to drop people. So um, if if you need a spot, Cordero might might be that guy. Yeah, and if you've just got a spot to play with, um, maybe somebody that doesn't really have that high of ceiling, maybe you stash him and see if the usage picks up significantly over the next couple weeks. I certainly wouldn't go playing him this week against the Colts if I can help it, but or the Bucs the week after that. Um, but after that, there's at Carolina, they're at the Rams. Uh, there's still a matchup with Tennessee before the bye. So there's room for some decent matchups if Cordero Patterson is going to get the kind of usage that makes them worth putting in a lineup spot. For now, he's at least worth stashing and seeing how they use him uh, going forward if you can fit him onto your roster. Another guy to go ahead and grab now before he has the numbers is Zach Pascal because of the wide receiver injuries in Indianapolis and T.Y. Hilton is playing fewer snaps now than we were used to seeing him. Yeah, so Pascal, you know, he's had he's had a, he's been there a while in in Indy and he's had some games that have shown his, his, his ability. I think he had a good game against the Raiders last year. And um, he's going to be, you know, with all the injuries with the receivers and he destroyed there by injuries, he's going to be the number 
two target there. Um, and like you said, he's, he's been running just as much as T.Y. Hilton. So, um, and, and, you know, if they get behind, they're going to be throwing him to the ball. He's also had a couple of carries there. He does some nice under and some nice reverses. He's a pretty athletic guy. So Pascal's a guy, again, that people aren't really t- t- talking about. Um, you can get him. I put up a 5% bid down for him. You can get him for around there. But if he, you know, if he, if he goes off this week, he's going to go for much, much more. But I think a big thing with Pascal is you're not just getting like a week out of him. Um, you can get him stash him and you know with all the injuries there we're looking at six to eight weeks for some of these receivers that, that are going to be out so um you can you can hold him you'll you'll have him for more than just a week or two um he might be the number two target there for for a month or or six weeks so that's that brings value to that to that five percent and T.Y. Hilton hasn't been the healthiest over the past couple of years either. So there's some handcuff upside there. Not an exciting player, not an exciting pass offense. The Colts are only 52-48 in pass run split right now. So not a high volume passing spot, but Zach Pascal's put up some numbers there before. He at some point he's gonna be a weekly option. I don't think Zach Pas I, I think Zach Pascal versus T. Higgins, there's a higher ceiling on Higgins, but I think they're pretty similar in terms of value for fantasy going forward. Um, so I, I, Pascal's a solid guy to consider for week four, I think. Yeah, for, for sure. Higgins, Higgins, I put more down because like you said, the ceiling's there. And when mm-hmm. we're trying to play for that half mil, we want we want that ceiling. But, but Pascal's a guy that could give you that consistency for the next five or six weeks. And like, and like you brought up, Hilton is very fragile too. So he might be the number one. I mean, Mo Ali Cox might be the number one and we recommended him last week, but yeah, he's certainly a guy that, that can see a bunch of targets in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. So Chase Higgins first, but keep in mind some of these other guys that we're going to mention still and Zach Pascal as fallbacks and maybe keep you from overspending on T Higgins this week. Next guy up, Adam, we've mentioned before, uh, but Scotty Miller has even gone back onto waivers in some league where he got <laughs> drafted or picked up. Yeah, I saw, I mentioned last week, uh, I, t- I tweeted out how, you know, Bruce Arians talked about how all they do, they're, they're never going to pass to the tight ends ever. So everybody dropped Scotty Miller. And I'm like, I'm so, I'm so confused by that. Now they did pass a little bit more to the tight ends this week, but Arians does, doesn't want to throw the tight ends. And now, you know, Godwin's hurt again. So you've got Scotty Miller back in the, in the, in the starting lineup. So um, people were adding him and dropping him. Time, time to pick him back up again. Um, you know, he's seen uh, 12, 12.8% of Tom Brady's pass attempts this year. They obviously have a rapport. Um, they're going to be in, uh, in some shootouts that they haven't been in yet. So um, I think he's definitely worth an add. And just stash him. Just keep him. You you, you can use him in your, in your flex probably coming up here. Um, but just don't cut him after one maybe mediocre week or something. I think he's going to be a guy um, that can certainly serve, serve you. Um, during, during these bye weeks over the next 10 weeks. Yeah, no, I mean, I think he can be expendable if something comes up that you really want on waivers or something that you need if you suddenly need a uh, running back fill-in um, or if, you know, if somebody just emerges. But I agree, short of that, I mean, just stash him and see what happens. There's handcuff upside with both Mike Evans and mm-hmm. Chris Godwin. There's the rapport he's shown. And again, even though when you're watching the games, you're probably going to hear announcers talk about him like he's in the same league with Danny Amendola or Julian Edelman just because they're all short white guys. This That's is right. the downfield player who leads the Bucks in uh, average depth of target so far. He's about six and a half yards ahead of Mike Evans in average depth of target, 13th among all NFL wideouts. So not going to be a high target count player as Scotty Miller, especially as long as other people are healthy, but... 
he's getting those high value targets that can produce yards and can get him in the end zone from far away. So definitely somebody to keep in mind, somebody to consider stashing, especially with Chris Godwin dealing with the hamstring issue, as you mentioned. Well, yeah, well, he leads Evans in depth of target because Evans only catches one yard touchdown passes. <laughs> so, um, but also I think they have the chargers this weekend. I think they just lost their slot corner for, for the year. So, or for six to eight weeks, I think. Yeah. So he might be a guy that you start th- this week. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I think Scotty's definitely worth an ad and, and stash him for, for, for a little bit too, even if you don't end up playing him this week. Beyond him, we've got Hunter Renfro, who is right back to being a, a, maybe a key piece for the Raiders. He's second on the team in targets so far, only 14 targets, which is half of Darren Waller's team lead. But, you know, Tyrell Williams went down before the season. Henry Ruggs is dealing with injury. So all of a sudden, Hunter Renfro's in, near the center of that pass offense again. I know he's just not, he's not going to go away. Is he Uh car car loves him? Um, you know, <laughs> the Raiders, they go out and they, they draft two, two receivers, two really athletic guys and, and Renfro still hanging around, you know, do, doing his thing, be, being productive. So yeah, he's, he's worth, he's worth a pickup, especially if rugs miss, misses time. Again, I've got him behind these other guys because of the upside there. Mm-hmm. That's when everyone's healthy. I think Darren Waller's getting all the targets and then, you know, Runners, uh, Hunter Renfro is really not that deep threat that, that, that Ruggs is. So he's not really the screen guy. So, you know, he's kind of he's kind of the handcuff for, for for everybody there. So if you've got some, a couple of Raiders receivers or something, and you want to handcuff them. But Renfro, I think, is a guy um, that can certainly be a bi-week fill-in for you. Yeah, I agree. And he's more of a fallback than a target this week and more of a PPR target. If yep. you want to talk about the short white guys who don't get far downfield, that's right. in that category. He's the one <laughs> you'd be comparing to Danny Amendola and Julian Edelman, not Scotty Miller. Uh, Greg Ward is another uh, short dude who won't get far down the field. 8.6 yards per catch through 10 career games, but He's suddenly in play this week because every single person who's ever caught a pass from Carson Wentz this year is now hurting somehow. He's dead. Yeah. <laughs> Greg Ward has seen seven, one, and 11 targets in three games. That's amazing, isn't it? It's just these receiving courses year after year, the same ones. It's getting, getting decimated, you know, but it's all about volume, man. It's all about, you know, and the Eagles, no offense, the Eagles stink this year. So yeah, it's yeah. like they're going to be throwing 11 targets last week. That's, you're, if you knew he's in 11 targets every week, you're starting him every single week. So, um, you know, he's not, he's only averaging 8.6 yards per catch, which is not great over, over his career. But, but again, he, he, he can get that volume. All these receivers are, are hurt. I mean, Deshaun Jackson might not play this, this week. I mean, he might be the, you know, the only decent uh, receiver that's, that's healthy for, for this week. Greg Ward's the guy to get if you need, a fill-in option right now. He's not yeah. long-term ceiling guy. If you need an option right now, I mean, he could see 11 targets. He did just last week, and that was at home against Cincinnati. So if they're going to play that kind of game at home against the Bengals, the Eagles are absolutely capable of trailing any team anywhere right now. If you are looking for upside, though, I think you might want to look at these last few receivers that we're going to mention. It starts with a Greg Ward teammate, Alshon Jeffrey, who just got back to practice this past week, has been out since last December when he suffered a lift prank injury, but he's back on the field. We'll see if he's in the mix to actually play this week. If he is, I mean, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside apparently still isn't ready to actually contribute in the regular season. He's just a practice all-star. And beyond that, we mentioned the injuries. I mean, Alshon Jeffrey could have a path to being Alshon Jeffrey again. Yeah, you know, I I was obviously, like most people, off of him during during draft season, but now is the time where, like, okay – 
the Eagles are decimated by, by injuries. You know, you got Rager, you got Deshaun Jackson out, and Alshon Jeffries probably going to come back. I don't know if it's this week, but maybe the week after. Um, he's got a shot at the number one receiver spot while Jalen Rager's out, and, uh, you know, he may or may not be ready to play this week. So I think he's, like you said, he's more of a long-term maybe get now for dirt cheap, stash him, hold him, whereas Greg Ward's a guy that you might want to get for, for this week. No, I didn't put him on the list, but Rager I saw was dropped in like four or five – um, main event leagues this this last week um, because guys are probably decimated by injuries and they don't want to hold on to a guy for 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 eight weeks or whatever it is six weeks. So um, if if Rager check your league and see if Rager is available because if Rager is available, I would certainly pick him up. He wasn't you know available in enough leagues for us to to really talk about him, but he, I think Jeffrey could be could be the guy there for for sure for you know, maybe not this week, but two weeks from two to four weeks until, until, until Rager gets back. We'll see what Jeffrey's got left. I mean, he's, he's not that old. And I think this is going to be a pass offense when, even when all the wideouts are back healthy, I don't think it's going to be an offense that sees the same guy lead the wide receiver core and targets every week. I think we're going to see that rotate among Deshaun Jackson, Jalen Rager, Alshon Jeffrey. We know Deshaun Jackson's injury issues. I don't think they're going to disappear for the rest of the season. I think he's going to be in and out with, with little dings here and there. And Jalen Rager's already gotten hurt twice. He's a small guy. You know, maybe it's a matter of him being able to hold up early in his NFL career. So again, there's opportunity for Alshon Jeffrey, a cheap stash at this point. And yeah. I agree with trying to stash Jalen Rager right now when you basically have to invest nothing. And that's, that's really the key for both of these guys. They were, they would have been bigger investments if you were drafting them right now. You're investing nothing. If you yeah. get nothing from them, no big deal. You drop them for something else that you need. Yep, exactly. And and we didn't even mention Goddard's out too. So there's another guy that just that there's, so there's, there's going to be plenty of targets to, to go around. And with, with uh, Jeffrey, the big thing is you don't even have to project. You don't even have to say, maybe he could be this. If we get a healthy Jeffrey, Carson Wentz knows him. We've seen him produce. We know that it's possible. We'll see how much of Alshon Jeffrey we get. But uh, the fact that they didn't rush him back, I guess, should help his outlook in that in that yep. case. And he's coming off the same or at least a similar injury to what Evan Ingram had that ended his season last year. It hasn't looked like Evan Ingram has had negative effect from that he's not having a great start to the year but it doesn't look like he's having health issues from that list frank injury so you know maybe we do get a healthy ash on jeffrey pretty soon yep andy isabella is another wide receiver we're mentioning here he flashed because of two touchdowns only saw four targets in that game so we're not over investing but isabella is another one that's worth stashing in case he starts getting more from the cardinals exactly you know he's 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 a talented player he's done so much with all of his targets um, and he's in a high volume passing attack. So again, he, if he's a guy you can get for next to nothing, now he might go a little bit more this week because he obviously had that that, that blow up week. But you know, if you can get a talented player in a high volume passing attack, you know they just refuse to run the ball to with with Kenyon Drake. So they're just going to keep throwing it. Um, and I think he's a guy worth worth, worth adding. And get some injuries. You know, Fitz is old. Um, you know, God forbid DeAndre Hopkins go, goes down. You know, Isabella is worth a roster spot, um, and he looked like the primary target on both those touchdowns. You know, quick, quick little outs uh, there down by the end zone. So um, I think they do a good job with those with those rub routes down there, and uh, he's the kind of the perfect little guy to do that. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it looks like DeAndre Hopkins is going to lead things there pretty comfortably ahead of everybody else. But Christian Kirk is kind of an up in the air player at this point and Andy Isabella was a second round pick just last year so obviously the Cardinals like him he's got yep. that that we mentioned with Scotty Miller where uh, Andy Isabella ran 4-3-3 at the combine so he can get deep 
when they have their full allotment of receivers. And as you mentioned, for both of those touchdowns, he looked like the primary read. It wasn't like uh, Kyler looked around and then checked down to Isabella because that's what he had open. They were targeting him on both of those plays down there. So there's room for him to grow from there. Just don't overpay off of those two touchdowns because it was a still a limited role. And the last guy, of course, in the wide receiver section, just because Adam likes to push bills whenever there's <laughs> Listen, this is the type of information you're going to get when you're talking to the conductor of the Josh Allen hype train. Okay. So uh, Gabe Davis, uh, technically fourth on the bills depth chart in receivers, but John Brown's hurt. Um, He's a, he's a talented rookie. uh, High. I can't believe I'm saying this, a high volume passing attack in Buffalo. And, um, and he's an injury away from getting some really nice volume. So Brown's hurt, you know, Diggs has been banged up in the past. Um, and he just, he looks really good. You know, he's a big, he's a big bodied receiver. He's had some, he had a, a beautiful touchdown catch in the back of the end zone to beat the Dolphins two weeks ago, diving catch. And uh, on the Bills fourth down play this last Sunday, he was the target on the pass interference call. He, you know, Allen dropped right back and went right to Gabe Davis. So uh, Allen trusts him. He's certainly a guy you can get for a buck. Don't, you know, you don't need to spend any more than that. Maybe, maybe two if, if you're afraid that I'm in your league, but um <laughs> A buck, a dollar or two, will get him again if you have a spot. He's a stash guy. Um, although you know, if John Brown d- doesn't play this this week, he might he might be worth a look. But um, but yeah, he's a he's a he's a draft and stash guy for for, for sure. Should we put pass interference in air quotes from the end of that game? <laughs> Listen, I just watched something on Dean Blandino talking about how it was definitely pass interference. Right. Not that I needed him him to tell me that, you know. So. <laughs> Yeah, and if anybody is going to know how to drive this wagon train, it's a quarterback from Wyoming. So that's that's uh, right. That's right. Throwing a dollar out there, or two, or three dollars if you play in Adams League, because you can bet he's going to be putting. <laughs> hey, speaking, I didn't see your apology. There's an apology letter going around Twitter. I don't know if you saw that for Josh Allen haters. I didn't see yours come across my desk yet, so I'm I'm going to be looking for that. Oh, I'm no hater. I'm a mocker. <laughs> We had him like seventh or eighth projected. Actually, he might have been sixth heading into the season. So no Maybe. Only, <laughs> only joy in making fun of people who love things. <laughs> That's right. Over at tight end around this out, Jimmy Graham is still surprisingly available. And even though he doesn't have anything left, he has enough left to factor in heavily into the Bears passing game. 15.7% of their targets so far trailing only Allen Robinson. And he leads all tight ends in red zone targets so far, according to pro football focus. Yeah, that's really good stuff. I mean, we recommended Jimmy Graham week one and I couldn't believe when you brought him up that he was still available in a bunch of, um, in a bunch of the main event leagues, especially tight end premium, you know? So, you know, he's coming off a monster game uh, and he's getting an upgrade with, with Foles, you know? So, you know, with all the t- target shares, he's getting 15%, um, you know, red zone shares. I mean, that's right. That's right in his wheelhouse. So if they're going to use him, and I think, he was having a really good camp too. I think people were talking about how he's having maybe one of the best camps out of all the Bears, and we kind of laughed about it because it's Jimmy Graham and he's a hundred years old. But you know they're gonna they're, they're gonna use him clearly, so he's definitely worth a pickup at tight end premium. I have five percent down here for him. Um, you could go up, you could go up a little bit higher if you, if you definitely need it, need a tight end. But um, I don't, I still don't think a lot of people are really believers in Jimmy Graham, and they, they might not need a tight end either. So I think Graham's certainly worth worth a look. Um, especially if they're going to they're going to force it to him. 
Yeah, I'd be going in double digits percentage wise if I had a need or even a spot for a player like that in tight end premium in particular, because I think Jimmy Graham is going to be a better flex option than a lot of these guys that we've already mentioned in this show. You know, we talk about opportunity all the time. Usually we talk about it with running backs, but I mean, Jimmy Graham, if he were playing for, you know, Tampa Bay, we'd hate him right now. But in Chicago, he's the number two receiver. So yeah, I think it'll stick around. It's certainly not going to get worse with Nick Foles there. Maybe it gets better, but he's getting opportunities. Those should be there. I think he should be owned in definitely all FFPC leagues. And he's even in play as the second tight end in just, you know, straight 12-team redraft, not thousands of dollars on the line leagues. Yeah, you know, and and if you're looking for a spot, like if you're one of those guys that picked up Jordan Reed for the week and now he's done for, you know, maybe the rest of the season, um, Jordan Reed would be the type of guy you could drop and pick up Jimmy Graham and, and kind of not, not miss a beat there. Yep. One more tight end you got listed, right? Yeah. So G- Greg Olson, another one that I, that I was kind of surprised that he was available still, you know, he's seeing significant playing time in one of the NFL's be- best offenses right now, you know, so he's um, 10% of Russell Wilson's, Attempts through through three games. He hasn't had a huge. He hasn't had his explosion yet. But you want pieces in that in, in that offense and any, any type of passing offense that's doing that. That now it's mostly you know DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, obviously. But there'll be games when 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 Greg Olson uh, scores. You know what I mean? That's all he needs to do is really score to be to be a starter. So and it's a good thing. Like if you think, oh, Greg Olson's going to have you know six touchdowns or seven touchdowns on, on the year. Well, if he hasn't scored any of those yet, you know, or or only one of them. Uh, you got plenty to go here, so he's uh, certainly worth a worth a pickup if you lost Jordan Reed or if you if you have if maybe you dropped Irv Smith or something like that, uh, you can pick up Greg Olson. Yeah, Jimmy Graham pretty easily ahead of Greg Olson for me for uh, opportunity availability. But if you want to let like Adam fight Andre Reed and Marv Levy's <laughs> for Gabe Davis, then Greg Olson is somebody that you can stash and consider for a second flex option, especially as we get to the bye weeks that are coming up pretty soon. Yep. Yep. Any other kind of stash names to talk about before we close this? Yeah. So I kind of went through and saw kind of who was dropped over the last, the last drop period last week that maybe aren't available in some leagues. But so I saw, I noticed Irv Smith, uh, Gerald Everett and Ryquel Armstead. So those are a couple of stash guys. Now, Irv Smith, I realized he's just had no opportunities this year um, so far, but he's super talented and the Vikings stink. So they're, they're going to have to pass the ball. Someone's going to have to knock some sense in them and throw the ball to Irv, to Irv Smith. There's no way he's going to end the year with 16 targets or whatever it is. So if you have room, pick him up, stash him, maybe a couple weeks just to see what happens. If, it, if nothing happens, then you can go ahead and drop him. Gerald Everett, same thing. Um, Tyler Higby. Tyler Higby was kind of in and out of the Bills game. He was kind of he was hurt, so he missed some, missed some snaps, and Everett came in, had a beautiful diving catch. Again, he's a guy that I drafted – that I, you know, because if Higby goes down, I think Everett can kind of slide right into that role. He's obviously proven that he's not going to be a, he's not startable while Higby is healthy, but if Higby goes down, Everett, Everett is going to be, is going to be great, I think. And then Ryquel Armstead, um, he was a guy that we we're all drafting all summer as, as, as the backup to, to Fournette. And then he gets the, he's out for COVID or whatever. And, you know, James Robinson comes in and, and blows up. But Robinson really isn't that proven yet. I know everybody loves Robinson, but Reichel Armstead was supposed to be the, the, the guy there. So he, the, I think they still like him. Robinson, obviously it's, it's Robinson's job, but if Robinson gets nicked up or something like that, I think Reichel Armstead, I don't think Robinson's that much better than 
than than Armstead. So I think again, he's a guy you can get right now for one or two two percent. That if Robinson does go down or Robinson does kind of falter a, a little bit, that um, that Armstead is going to go for much much higher. So again, if you've got room to kind of stash these guys, these are the type of things you can do now before the, before they blow up. I do think that James Robinson's the guy there. I think that we didn't know how much they liked him or trust that initial depth chart that came out that had James Robinson at the top. Everybody kind of laughed and said, oh, PR department puts these out. It's not for real. But I think James Robinson's shown enough that we should believe he's the first guy. I, I certainly agree, though, that Raquel Armstead is worth stashing where you have a spot to play with. I think Divino Zigbo is also worth stashing if you have that that spot to play with, because I don't know who between Armstead and Ozigbo the Jaguars like better or who would be ready to perform more should James Robinson go down. I do think it takes a James Robinson injury at this point to give either of those guys opportunity, but you know we've seen those opportunities come up in lots of cases lately. So if you have a spot to play with, those are going to be cheap stashes that don't have such a long path to opportunity. Exactly. I mean, almost every, almost every running back is worth having a handcuff. I mean, the Giants are, might be the exception, but I think that backfield might figure itself out, but Armstead's worth it to have, to have a guy, because let's say nobody, nobody has Armstead, Robinson tears his ACL Sunday. Well, Reichel Armstead or Divina Zigbo, whichever one, they're going to go for, you know, 400, 500 on, on, on waivers. So, Pick them up now when you can get them for a buck, two bucks, five bucks, and then hold on to them. And if nothing happens, then you drop them and pick up somebody else. And if if it blows up, then you're you're sitting pretty. Yeah, maybe you can even use ten bucks that you saved by not going after Devontae Freeman last week. <laughs> there you go. Listen, give it time. Give it, give it time. Yeah, that'll do it for this edition of the Waiver Wire Podcast. Head over to DraftSharks.com now to read our full free agent focus for week four. Check out our rankings for week four as well as the rest of the season to help you guide your waiver moves in your league, FFPC or otherwise. You can find us on Twitter where you're at DraftSharks. Adam is at Adam underscore Krautwurst. I am at ShoutDS. It's S-C-H-A-U-F. For Adam Krautwurst and the rest of the DraftSharks crew, I'm Matt Shout saying thanks so much for swimming with us.